everybody. Welcome to episode 164 of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast as we are rounding the last turn for our amazing month-long celebration of women in youth ministry as we both celebrate and encourage those that are women leading out in youth ministry. And I need to prepare you now. This interview with Jacqueline Miles, Jacqueline Smiles, is almost too good it, it's it's not so good that we we couldn't capture it but you're going to be listening to it and immediately going to want to be re-listening to it because it's that good so jay smiles thank you so much for delivering not just the thoughtful and the insightful but the immediately re-listenable because there is some rich content here and so if you are new to the industry booster podcast we try to offer at least some tasty goodness every week for your audio ears uh, and this is another installment in our month-long celebration of women in youth ministry you can follow the conversation at hashtag women in ym ongoing beyond this month as we celebrate women that are leading in youth ministry you do only have a few more days for our big giveaway at youthministrybooster.com slash giveaway and we want you to have an opportunity to win a year of Booster and a subscription box of your choice if you are a woman in youth ministry or going to be giving it to a woman in youth ministry. So don't miss that. Also, if you are going to be at the National Youth Workers Convention, we would love to hang out with you in St. Louis, 2018, November 15 through 18. It's going to be a blessed weekend hanging out with a bunch of people that we just found out is sold out. So hopefully we'll get to see a lot of you there. Got some surprises for you if you show up there. But until the end, this is Chad interviewing Jacqueline Miles. Hello and welcome to Youth Ministry Booster. My name is Chad Higgins and I am so excited to bring our guest here for you today. I will allow her to introduce yourself, tell us everything that you want us to know about you. Well, hey, Chad, my name is Jacqueline Miles, and I'm coming to you today from Louisville, Kentucky. I love everything iced coffee, and if there's not enough of it in my veins, Chad, things just don't go so well for, for myself or those around me. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you continue, and I want to hear more about you. Are you iced coffee like all the time or like just in the afternoons or like morning you're rocking iced coffee? We are rocking that from morning till night and we rock iced coffee in the middle of the winter. They try to get me to switch, but the baristas, they know I'm coming. They know what the order is and um, I just get more free iced coffee nowadays than I used to. So it's awesome. That's It's great, but I am... I come from a ministry family. My husband's a pastor, so I guess I'm a pastor's wife. I don't usually rock that title, but I um I like to be the pastor and be one of them, be in the mix. But he um he's in full time ministry, and I'm now full time mom, uh, but have been in full time ministry for uh, twelve years before I kind of stepped away. And and yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. And so you're doing some speaking stuff as well, but have some background in, in student ministry. Tell us a little bit about like your speaking ministry, some of those kind of things that you're doing. Sure. So I started out in middle school ministry and I love how the Lord works. I remember, you know, when the when I got that first call to to come and do student ministry, I was really thinking, man, if it's high school ministry, I'll pray about it. But if it's middle school, there's no way. I, I mean, these God kids is are definitely like, not in that, right? He's not in that. It's like herding cats. They're squirrels. They're just all over the place. And sure enough, it was for a full-time uh, youth ministry, junior high pastor position in Oklahoma. And, um, you know, it's funny. The Lord knows us, Chad, better than we know ourselves because I 
could not have been more pleased uh, to be in, in junior high youth ministry. I love the fact that I can give them a high five and remember their name and they just think I'm awesome and I don't have to work that hard. Right. High school, you have to try so hard. You have to earn their trust. Right. You have to show up. You have to be consistent. And anyway, I loved uh, my stint in junior high ministry um, full time. That was just a blast. And now, um, now what I do is in the summers when my husband's schedule is a little more flexible, I get to go and travel um, sometimes with Christ and youth through mix or move their different junior high and high school programs. Uh, sometimes I just get to go to camps, bring my family along too, and we um, just get to tell students about Jesus. It's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. It's almost like God is all knowing or something. You it's know? almost like he knows us. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so tell us a little bit. I mean, that's where you're at now. Let's back up for a moment. Tell us how you like first got into like student ministry at all, like that whole calling of your life. Like walk us back to that. Sure. I don't know, Chad, you probably would know better because you asked this question a lot. Um, but I feel like there's a couple different kinds of people. They're the kinds that have always known that they are going to do student ministry. They love students. Yeah, yeah. They, you, it's just like the writings on the wall. Right. And then sure. there's those of us that go kicking and screaming and, mm-hmm. and we just kind of get surprised. And, um, in that whole process, I was a, a senior in college at, um, and I was working on my senior paper and I was, you know, been praying a ton about what am I going to do when I graduate? I have all these student loans. I've got to pay back somehow. I, I want to be in ministry. I want to use my gifts and talents. Um, uh, in the local church trying to do something for Jesus. I didn't know what, but I was in the library and I remember where I was standing when I just, I just heard somebody say Cincinnati. And I, I was like, Cincinnati. And I turned around, there's nobody there. There's just stacks of books. And I was sort of weirded out, Chad. I really just thought this is strange. So I went back, I told my roommate, um, she goes, well, why don't you just pray about it? So I did. I just, Lord, was that you? Was that, you know, the pizza, the cafeteria? What, what What's the Cincinnati about? You know? And so I just tabled it. I, I continued to kind of hear that. Um, as I prayed, I looked up Cincinnati, thought maybe I'd move there. Nothing. So that was in the fall, late fall of my senior year. I graduate. I move home. It was awful. It was so embarrassing. I was like, mom and dad were very gracious. They let me stay, figure out what I was doing with my life. Late in that summer, I get a call and this this guy says, hey, I got your number from um, a mutual friend of ours. I was look, wondering if you're looking for a, a ministry job. And I said, yeah, I am. And so that was when I said, I will, if it's high school ministry, I'll pray about it, but not middle school ministry. That was exactly, you know, and, and sure enough, it was for middle school ministry. And, um, I go and I check out this church, uh, the couple days before I interviewed and I just drove the parking lot with a friend and we looked around. It had a big steeple. It had stained glass windows. I'm like, there's probably pews in there. Like who (laughs) is totally not like my church experience at all. And I just thought, gosh, this is like, I'm going to have to wear a hat on Easter. I don't know what's going on. And as I pull out of the parking lot of this large church, I noticed that we're on Cincinnati Avenue. And I just, I, um, I started crying. I started laughing. I told my friend, I'm like, this means I can hear God's voice. Like he, he was whispering this word. And I knew like in an instant, I knew that that was, a, that's what Cincinnati had meant. And watching him line up, you know, all of those details of this first ministry experience and also his overwhelming confirmation that that was where I was supposed to be was so helpful for me because that wasn't on my radar. I didn't really want to work with middle schoolers. I didn't really want to do student ministry. I, I didn't really know what I didn't know. 
and that I was really and truly made to do it. And I just love, I love how he um, shows us that parts of things that he's put inside of us to use for his glory and for his kingdom. And um, he knew that was right where I needed to be. And I also, you know, I wish that, um, well, I'll, I'll save that part of the story for later. I've got a, I got a good one on that too, but that's how I first got into student ministry. And um, I definitely felt a little duped, but now grateful. That's pretty awesome. I don't know that I, in anybody's story, I've ever heard like the dread of, I may have to wear a hat on Easter. (laughs) But like that, it's the first time for everything. We're not talking like, a ball cap. The kind of hats these ladies wear are, I mean, it's kind of like the Derby here in Louisville. Like right. everyone wears these hats and you're like, oh my, like, yeah, it's special. The, Chad, it's the special. Big, the big dress and the hat on Easter. <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm made for <laughs> Chacos and jeans and a youth group t-shirt. That is what I'm made for. Oh my goodness. I'm just imagining you like in your heart, like pleading with God of going, not the big hat, right? Not the big hat. That's why I think he had to be so dramatic with the Cincinnati Avenue bit. (laughs) This like, not only was it middle school ministry, it was like at this church that was like literally, I mean, like nothing I had ever experienced in their church culture you know, was still like nothing I'd ever experienced. The kids drove nicer cars than we did. You know, it was just a very different experience. So, yeah. Wow. What a story. All right. So tell me years of student ministry, whether it's in the church or or now what you're doing, tell me one of your favorite like youth ministry moments. Mm. Gosh, there's so many. There's bad ones, but there's so many good ones. You know, it's funny, the ones that pop to your mind instantly, but I think my favorite moment is sort of a collection of moments where you have that opportunity. You watch a student go through sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. They kind of fall off the map. They go into high school ministry. They, you know, go to a different school. The programming doesn't line up. You don't get to see and hear what God's doing in their life. And then maybe they're a junior or senior and the Lord kind of taps them on the shoulder and they come back and they help you. They say, Hey, Jacqueline, what can I do mm. to, to help junior hires know Jesus? And I love, I mean, I love high school ministry when I get to see, when I've seen them through the awkward, you know, right. the hormonal, the emotional stage of, of middle school ministry, they've made it through that developmental stage and then they want to come back and serve with you. Um, such sweet moments. I think of so many times where I'm on retreats and they've, you know, watching them lead other students to Christ, watching them lead a great small group or, or go into college and then come back and say, I want to intern with you. and. Josh and I have had the privilege of seeing some of these students that were in our awkward, their awkward junior high selves that are now in their mid twenties, late twenties, which makes me feel old, but makes seeing them what God's doing in their life and how those seeds that we planted and watered or, you know, just tried to encourage them um, to see them still following Jesus and now challenging us in the way they live their lives out. um, That to me, is so special. We have a couple of um, boys that were in our student ministry and and my husband was the high school pastor at the same church, uh, that big, tall steeple church that I worked at. Um, and so those, these two boys specifically both went through our junior high and high school ministry. And now my kids call them uncle Jake and uncle Preston. And I just, it's the relationships that you build along the way that you have the privilege of seeing God's faithfulness in their yeah. life from you know, so many times student ministers, we get discouraged because we don't see the fruit, right? We, right. 
we try every week to bring our A game and to hit that home run and our messages or our small group times and we pour into leaders and then we get bummed because we don't necessarily see. And I think if you stay in the game long enough, I, you remember the show Survivor yeah. uh, because you, you and I, we know it's been around, right. it's been a while, it's been right. a while, but um, when I think about student ministry, I always think about what is it? Outlive, outlast, mm-hmm. outplay. And I think if you stay in the game long enough, you get a chance to see um, the verse that comes to mind is the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You get a chance yeah. to see all of those seeds, not all of them, but a good chunk of them um, bear fruit. And then that gives you so much courage, so much energy to keep on doing what you're doing. Um, so for me, I guess it's kind of a selfish moment is just that opportunity to see um, mm-hmm. see students come back and serve and come back and what God continues to do in their life. Um, and you get just to be a small part of that. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things always makes me sad when I hear like youth ministers that only stick around a place like a couple of years or whatever is I'm like, man, you, you're not even going to get to see what you've done, you know, or not necessarily what you've done, but like what God has done and the frustration that you now have, right? Like, because those are the truly like remarkable stories of when you're like, and that's when I almost killed Jordan. And then <laughs> six years later, like, you know what I mean? Like so Jordan's true. this amazing volunteer. It's so true. Um, and, and that's, that's this like, it's the messiness of ministry that yeah. you can't explain until you've, you've been in it for a little while. And those redemptive moments. Oh, isn't it so true? Yes, Belixa, we did lose you on that one retreat. We did find you. <laughs> And now you're doing great things for Christ, right? And I mean, you're a much better swimmer, right? <laughs> that's like, right. That's right. That's so awesome. Okay, so um, actually, I want I want to ask this story because I know, or I asked this question. I mean, you, you tell me a little bit about like your experience in student ministry. Now you have this completely different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Your mom, your the pastor's wife, which I'm sure you sit on the first pew, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your view now of not only like the helpful role, right, for the student minister, but what's some encouragement that you in the position you're in now would give to um, a student minister that, that may be frustrated or struggling or whatever? Mm. I do think my perspective is a little different. Some of it probably comes with being a mom and watching. Um, sometimes you have to make those mom calls where, you know, my husband is a pastor. He's at church on Wednesday nights yeah. and, and he's running programs. And I know there's an expectation for me and my three little ones to be there. But some nights it's not good. You know, one of them comes home with more homework or comes home and is melting down because she's tired and, and sometimes the right call is to be home. And I think as a young student pastor, I would get so discouraged because I felt like, you know, what's that one question we dread in staff meeting? Well, how many did you guys have right. at youth group? And some days you're real excited to to share your numbers. And some days you're like, well, we tried everything, but there weren't that many people there, you know? <laughs> well, if the pastor's and kids would have showed up, we'd have That's right. We would have had three more. Um, <laughs> I, I do feel that. And I know um, my husband is super gracious. He was a pastor's kid, so he felt that pressure. And he is very careful to say, you know what? Keep him home tonight, you know? Mm. Some days he's really like, nope, this is a night when you all need to be there. And then some days he says, just punt, Jacqueline. Just, we'll, 
they're not going to, you know, there is no book. There's no one's keeping a ledger of this. And um, I'm grateful for his perspective, especially as a, as a PK himself, um, wanting my kids to grow up loving Jesus and not resenting the church mm-hmm. or resenting Christ because mom and dad are there all the time, you know, that it's fun and it's engaging. I think, um, so my perspective for that would be sometimes it's discouraging when the, when the seats might be empty, but find a way to go to them. Mm-hmm. I think as a mom, when, when the children's minister showed up at my son's adoption, holy moly, that meant the world to me. Like find important things to those families and, and go to them. If it's a ball game, I used to think, gosh, I can't do all these ball games or whatever, but I would show up as my cheating. Um, can I share my cheat? I would show up like the last 10 minutes of the game, Chad. I would get a picture of the student hanging out, selfie with the mom inside the, you know, and I wouldn't be able to go to the whole game because there was a lot of kids in the youth group and I was trying to be fair and get everywhere. And I also was trying to have a life. And so I would just literally go the last 15 minutes and I would smile and cheer them on. And it was like, I was there the whole time, you know, and you don't have to tell them, Hey, I just showed up the last 15 minutes, but I tried my best to maximize my time when I was there and the, what it meant to the parents. I now know on this side, it means everything when you show up there and that the relational dividends that that pays is so big. And so if there's times that you feel like you're struggling to get people there, you know, find unique and creative ways to go to them and know that, you know, that is going to pay off. Um, that is going to pay off and not, uh, and in ways you might not expect, you know, whether that's, oh, this, this would be a great volunteer. Why aren't they volunteering our ministry as you're sitting in the bleachers watching their son sit right. the bench, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so I think, I think that was something that I value now as a mom, um, just somebody taking interest in my kid that, right. that you want my kid to follow Jesus too, for real, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and how much your words of encouragement to a parent when you catch their kid doing something right. We hear so much negative feedback as parents. You know, I used to dread the carpool line because every every day of my son's kindergarten year, the teachers would come out and say, well, Mason tripped a kid today, you know, or whatever. And I was always hearing something negative. So when you as a youth leader take a moment to tell a parent something positive, um, I don't know, some of those things are really important. And just realizing that there's nights that they shouldn't be at youth group. They should be home. And that's okay. And not beating yourself up. It's not your fault about that. That's just, it's more perspective of where you fit in that. And then if you feel like you're not fitting very well or you're losing a family because they're just kind of busy or too disconnected, go to them. Right. I I think that that's so wise. I've been kicking around this idea in my head of understanding um, who's connected to your student ministry and who's there. Mm. Because I think sometimes you have students that are there they aren't actually connected. So and then true. sometimes you have students that are connected, but that one random Wednesday night, they just may not be there. Yes. And and I think when we start looking at numbers and really asking ourselves, like, how many of our students are connected mm-hmm. rather than just there? Because then that allows yes. us to know how to minister to ones who are there at that moment uh, and how to minister to the ones who happen to miss, right? Because mm-hmm. life happens, right? And right. we have the opportunity when we have a kid that's connected, who's not there to be able to follow up and mm-hmm. maybe hear like, well, you know, grandma passed away, right? Or whatever. Right. Um, but when we know they're connected and we're able to follow up in that very mm-hmm. kind, loving way, we sometimes find those things out. 
even the connection piece, Chad, of having some students that are connected to our church and they're serving. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, yeah so and so is not, Sarah's not connected right now on Wednesday nights because she's serving down in children's ministry. Yep. And being okay with that and celebrating that and not just being like, well, she's a really good leader and she really should be in, you know, because yeah. I mean, our overall goal is we want to raise, we want to help raise lifelong followers of Jesus. We don't need them to be married to our youth yep. group, you know? And so if they're connected to the body in that way, um, but that always, excuse your numbers, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, that person's connected. Their whole family's connected. In fact, they serve together in the nursery. Like, how cool is that? Sure. Um, but they're not maybe there. And so yeah. I think that's another thing that, you know, just to kind of redefine your win sometimes yeah. of this is my win. I want them to be connected. Maybe they're not going to be there. 70% of the time. It's going to be 60 because they're serving, but that's okay because they're connected. All right. So you have finally, you've realized that maybe I'm not going to have to wear a big hat. <laughs> okay. But we're back at that like first day being in student ministry, Cincinnati Avenue. If you could sit down and buy yourself an iced coffee. Oh, wow. That'd be awesome. What would you tell yourself? Three things, Chad. Can I tell myself three things? To get it, because I want to hear them all. Okay. The first one I would say, don't be afraid to say yes when the high school director asks you out because you're going to marry him and it's going to be great. So I took a little while to come around, Chad, but I did marry him and he's a good man. We've been married almost That's awesome. So I would say don't resist Josh. So, you know, I know he's a redhead. I know that, you know, wasn't your dream. But you should marry him um, and marry him sooner than you did. Wait, was uh, there like some hesitation at first? Oh, I told him no. Give I me that gossip. No forever. I sure did. And you know, everyone in our youth group was like, they're going to get married. And we're like, I was like, kids, you need to get out of my business. I know that yeah. you're junior high girls, but one girl literally came up. I had this dream. You and Josh got married and she had no idea. He had just asked me out after a year and a half of us working together. He finally asked me out and I tell him no. Yeah. And so she had no idea. And I really, oh, I laid into that girl. I'm like, you need to stay out of my business. That's none of your business. Well, then that whole youth choir sang at our wedding. So we like really <laughs> ate some, we ate it, man. Like they, they were, they were spot on. So wait, hold on. What is like office relationship like? Oh my after, gosh. Like the no. It was so awkward. It was super awkward because yeah. here we're like really good friends in ministry. He's the high school guy. I'm the middle school girl. We have a guy that's over all of children's and family. That was kind of our boss. So we were kind of on the same footing as far as work goes. But I would go on all of his trips and he would come on all of mine. And we'd always serve as, you know, whoever was in charge was in charge. We kind of served the other person. And here we are in our mid twenties. And I say no, and we're not talking to each other, but we're trying to pretend like we are friends because everyone knows that we're always friends. And oh gosh, it was a mess, but it didn't last very long. I came to my senses and I said yes to the redheaded wonder. Yeah. The rest is history. So that's pretty awesome. That's the first thing I would, I would need to tell myself is just don't skip the awkward part. The second thing, I hope Josh listens to this. This is awesome. Um, The second thing is, don't change too much too fast. I, you know, I had read some books. I had gone to like a youth ministry conference. I had great ideas of like, Ooh, we could do this and we could do that. And we totally need to change this because this is just dumb. And then I just, I had, I don't know, that whole idea that people can only handle so much change. And Mm -hmm. 
20% of change a year, I think is a number I've heard thrown around. I don't even know what 20% of change would look like, but I know that I probably pushed 42 and a half percent and it just doesn't always go well. So I think I would have slowed down on the changing program stuff. And I would have really dialed in more to that relational piece and just build, 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 show up everywhere you can build with leaders, build with students, build with parents, knowing that that is only going to serve you well when you do make those changes, when you put that relational credit in the bank. Um, And then just love on people and let that time pass. It feels like you're not doing anything. And so for a doer, someone who likes checklists, you know, that's kind of hard to feel like, gosh, I want to change this. I really want to change that. Um, But to sit on my hands on a couple of those things and just wait. Um, Because it does, (laughs) I don't know that, you know, some of it's youthful enthusiasm, maybe some of it's my personality, but I definitely would have waited. So I would have married Josh quicker. I would have slowed down a little on programmatic changing. And um, I had a third one and it just went away. So if it comes back, I'll tell you. I love it. I like, I like offering three and giving two. Well, there it is. There it is. It's like I just forgot my third point. It's all good. It's all <laughs> I th- good. I think those two are incredible. The uh, the second one always speaks to me because that's maybe a little bit of my personality, right? Like I, I'm a doer, I'm a checklist kind of guy, and mm-hmm. and so um, I, I constantly remind myself of the like quote from Jurassic Park. Of, <laughs> this is gonna be deep. It's gonna be good. It is. It's like we get so busy um, uh, asking if we could that we don't stop and ask if we should. Mm. Uh, and you know, I, I know that's about recreating dinosaurs, right? But <laughs> of course, yes. For me, like, there's so many of those times where you know I'll see something and I'm like, oh, it, it needs to change. It needs to change mm-hmm. now, right? And I don't step back and go, okay, well, it needs to change, but maybe not right now, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because there's, I think there's that just that realness of, and it's like what you were talking about earlier, like understanding that life happens and all those kind of things. And, and we just slow down and we walk with people and instead of just like dragging them down a path that we want them to go Come to. with me, come. I think, you know, you were telling me kind of repainting this picture. And it was funny when you said this, Chad, you said, you know, you're on Cincinnati Avenue, you're walking in. One of my very first experiences was walking into confirmation. And in this denomination, confirmation was something they did for eighth graders. And it was a, an experience. It was an experience of just really digging into your faith and, and asking those big questions, which I don't really know that they were ready for in eighth grade, ninth grade, maybe would have been a better year, but that's one of those changes I didn't make. Um, but one of the things that just startled me was this one man said he he was signing his student up for confirmation and he looked at me he shook my hand he introduced himself because I was brand new and he said all right Jacqueline here he is we've done everything we can with him now it's your turn and it was like it was just this I don't know if he was trying to be funny I don't know but knowing now you know what I know he was really kind of abdicating his role of primary faith giver. And he was just saying, all right, you're in charge of this now. And I, everything in me, even at 22, I knew that that wasn't right. I knew that I was just supporting what he was supposed to be doing at home. Now there's the, there's the kids that gosh, there is no faith at home. And so you really are more of a primary faith giver, but, but realizing that, um, 
that my role isn't to be the parent, that I'm not their parent and that I'm coming alongside of their parents in whatever way I can. And if I can make the parent better, then I'm really doing more for that child than, mm. than even just speaking into their life on a regular basis, right? If I can influence them, whether it's through a resource or setting them up with you know, someone to talk to, I'm really doing more for that student um, by helping their parents fall in love with Jesus and follow him um, you know, closely. So I think that was the other, that was my third thing that, uh, that finally came to me. It's just realizing that I'm not that mm-hmm. and, and figuring out ways to, I always used to say, I can't work with parents. I'm 22. I'm not a parent. What am I supposed to tell them? Like, just give me a bunch of junior hires, right? I'm good with them, you know, and, but realizing too, that, that youth ministry is parent ministry and helping them. And you can lead up with resources and with other people and just by listening and bouncing yeah. ideas off. Um, there's ways to lead up. It's hard and it's sometimes awkward, but, but parents need us to do that. Awesome. Well, Jacqueline, it has been an absolute pleasure. If you and your husband find your way back to Oklahoma anytime soon, the next iced coffee is on me. Oh, and that's I, awesome. You know, that's I, enough to make us drive. That's good. <laughs> and I am sure for any of our listeners, uh, if they want to reach out, you may have an iced coffee for them. I would and, love it. And I would so, love it. Uh, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Uh, if you're listening, hey, we thank you so much uh, for joining in as we get to celebrate these amazing women uh, in student ministry. We want to be an encouragement to you. I hope that this great wisdom that Jacqueline's provided today uh, is encouraging to you. Um, and I hope that you find yourself today drinking a nice big glass of iced coffee and thinking through what you talked about. Thank you. Awesome, we'll Chad. You. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. Uh, Jacqueline, thank you so much. Jay Smiles, that is something to ponder, something to hold, something to re-listen to. If you didn't listen to that one with notes, then check the show notes because we have lots of great pull quotes from that one. Because Jacqueline, uh, I am still, uh, after the editing process and the listening process, thinking about what you had to share and say, uh, for what it means for long-term youth ministry, caring, deep, compassionate, and rich. Everybody else listening at home, we've got a few more left in our big, long month celebration at Women in Youth Ministry, and the hits keep on coming. So don't miss out on the next episode of Youth Ministry Booster when we feature another amazing women in youth ministry. You don't want to miss it, so subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your great podcast. And until then, we'll see you.